Daryl Lando, founder of Conserve Democracy, and this is On Civics, On Democracy. This episode covers the third of our seven pillars of a healthy constitutional democracy, the one I call justice and the rule of law. Primarily, this pillar deals with our legal system and our rights, and the extent to which these protect us from abuses of power. I'll cover it in about 10 minutes, because that's how good I am, not because of any deficiency of knowledge. Besides, I have future episodes to drill down on some topics. Government has three branches, the legislative, executive, and judicial. Let's begin with the legislative branch, because the lawmaker is parliament. The doctrine of parliamentary supremacy states that our legislatures may enact or repeal any law they choose, limited only by their territorial jurisdiction and our constitution. But these are significant limits to parliamentary and government power. Laws that violate constitutional rights or infringe on the jurisdiction of other governments in our federal system will be struck down by the courts. Our Charter of Rights and Freedoms is the main protection against the, quote, tyranny of the majority. We don't have complete majority rule because we have protections for individual and minority rights. Populists may see this as anti-democratic, but such limits are fundamental to a small l liberal democracy, as is the notion that everyone is subject to the law, even our leaders, and everyone has equal rights in the law. The Charter is not an absolute protection. The first section says governments can impose reasonable limits on our rights if they can be justified in a democratic society. That sounds like a big escape clause, but in fact the wording and the court's interpretation uh, make it quite narrow. So, But then we also have section 33, the notwithstanding clause. This is a controversial compromise between federal and provincial parliaments on the one hand and the constitution and courts on the other. The former can say to the latter, we don't care if it's unconstitutional, we will do it anyway. This restores uh, at least some degree of the doctrine of supremacy of parliament, especially where it might limit individual and minority rights. For a time, this section was used mainly by Quebec to protect French culture and sovereignty. It is still a rarely used power, but it seems to be expanding. The historian Claude Belanger has written, quote, It cannot be said that the legislative bodies in Canada can do as they please, as was the case once upon a time. They have been restricted by specific provisions of the Charter. Neither can it be said that Canada has moved into a system of unfettered supremacy of the Constitution, or Charter. The restrictions of the Charter are too considerable not to recognize them. Thus, Canada has created a mixed system. In a country that prides itself to be reasonable and to govern by compromise, the charter may be said to be typically Canadian." End quote. And for most Canadians, this system has worked well, and we are given top marks by international democracy measures for how it is functioning. We have freedom of expression, of assembly, we have human rights, economic rights, privacy rights. We place reasonable limits on free speech, and have laws against hate speech. We have an independent judiciary that is able to hold the government and other powers to account and is respected when it does so. 
our Supreme Court and general legal system is not politicized the way it is in, for instance, the U.S. That's the good news, but we have lots of problems to work on. First, it is often said that our justice system has failed Indigenous people. The main concern is that they are overrepresented in Canada's criminal justice system as both victims and offenders. Suffice to say, systemic racism explains a great deal of the problem. There have been some efforts to correct that, but there is little reason for Indigenous people to see the justice system as other than a colonial system at odds with their right to self-government. I should say that some of what has been said could apply to the Black community and perhaps other groups in Canada. Access to justice is an issue that is being looked at by governments. Most people cannot afford the services of lawyers and find the civil and criminal systems too Byzantine. That is why recent cuts to legal aid in Ontario um, were discouraging, uh, but it was met with pretty strong resistance and protest. The hashtag MeToo movement has shown how challenging it is to deal with harassment in the criminal system. Um, we need reforms to make survivors more comfortable, and some have been implemented, but it's a polarized legal and political issue. Unions and workers often need to defend their collective bargaining rights, particularly against government back-to-work legislation. The Canadian Supreme Court upheld this right in 2015, that is, collective bargaining, but that won't end the issue, especially where the public is pushing for service to be restored. And to take a last uh, recent example, the SNC-Lavalin affair revealed that we don't have a good separation of the law from political interference. The Attorney General, who is supposed to have independence of action, did not agree with the Prime Minister's office and governing caucus and was pressured um, uh, and, and then was shuffled out of cabinet. So uh, to make matters worse, delays in the criminal cases against some SNC executives led to dismissals in one or more of the cases because of the backlog in the criminal system, which is infringing on the rights of the accused. So it's a mess, but it has put these problems more on the front burner to solve. There are many other issues, but despite all that, we have one of the best systems and it functions fairly well for most people most of the time. But we should listen to activists like Michael Moore, who say that we can't rely on the Constitution to protect our freedom. There is no substitute to an engaged citizenry and organized civil society. And Canada has an above average grade in that department. I'll leave it there for this aspect of civics and democracy. Next episode, we get into diversity and pluralism. Thank you, and I hope you keep tuning in and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Serve Democracy.